Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The one that was supposed to protect me and still does interviews saying they will be my forever protector is the one that is hurting me the most. He was the one that started a rumor that said I was having, hooking up with Drake, having an affair, a whole marriage. She accused me of that publicly. So the person that's supposed to protect me the most publicly would accuse me of having an affair throughout our whole marriage. I really can't wrap my head around yeah. how he thinks he is a protector. You know, it's sometimes Kanye will say to me, can I have approval over what you say about me on your show? And I'll say, well, you just talked about me in this song, this song, this interview, this interview, and you didn't ask my permission. And I never say anything bad. I never say anything negative. If I say I'm exhausted, I feel guilty about that. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Because over here in America, it is technically a holiday weekend, it's Memorial Day, I decided to just like keep things like fresh and funky and just talk about a couple of shows that I have yet to recap that I want to get into. So uh, we're going to start off with the Kardashians. Welcome back to Calabasas, y'all. We got a lot to talk about. I, you know, I feel like the premiere was strong. I'm intrigued. I want to know more. And I think that's good for the Kardashians. I think they usually tend to start off like with a bang. Typically, it's because Tristan bangs somebody, but that's neither here nor there. But and then they like quickly fizzle out. So I think we're leading up to something, which is great. And I'm 
looking forward to it. So let's get into the premiere episode. My first thoughts. I just wrote a complete stream of conscious uh, thoughts and feelings about the intro. So here they go. Why is Cuffit playing? Is this a real version? Oh my god, it's a real version. Does Beyonce know this? Does Blue Ivy know this? Why are we at a roller skating rink? How much did this cost? Kendall actually looks pretty in motion. She should model when she's actually moving. And that was basically it. I, what was that? (laughs) Kim says that they're doing promo for season three, but like, is this all we're going to see? Is this going to be for commercials or is that it? I'm confused. We're all confused. Then they basically, everybody's roller skating or rollerblading around. It's like a vibe. It's a whole thing. Except for Chris, who clearly can't do either. So they just put her in the middle of the rink and like, just do a little two-step. We'll we'll get a bunch of people to rollerblade around you. It's fine. It's fine. And then, of course, who pops up being the baddest bitch of all? Miss Corey, baby. Okay, doing a little two-step. Real smooth with it on those roller skates. Taught by Usher and Chris Brown. I'm sure of it. Let's move on. The first indication, if you guys will remember, a few months ago, Kim put out a tweet saying, what do you guys want to see on the next season? And she got ratioed to hell and back, okay? But I think we listened. The first indication being that we might be getting on track with the show Scott Disick is back. Okay, finally, there's an adult in the room to really pull it all together and say what we're all thinking. He's trying to get into Chloe's house, but it's just like, you know, just a door. Like a refrigerator door is her front door. And she's got a little strip uh, on the side of the house where you're supposed to see, I guess it's supposed to be a doorknob. So he's looking at the door like, what, how do I get in here? Or do I knock? Like, what's going on? So the security guard has to show him, you know, where, where the door... Uh, the the ringer is, <laughs> and he says, "What am I still? Am I poor now? Because I have doorknobs? Is that is that what the deal is?" Once he gets inside, he's asking her, "What's with the bandaid on your cheek? Are you a Nelly fan? Like, what's going on here?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, there's a bump on my cheek. It's been there for months. I'm waiting for the biopsy results. TBD." Then Kim stops by, he hugs them both, and he's like, my god, you guys are so little, what are these, breakup diets? He's right, these women are tiny, 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 tiny. How do we go about talking about this without being shameful? Because it's just the thinner that Chloe gets, the thinner that Kim gets, I just, it's concerning I don't know what I'm looking at. We got to move on because I don't really know a way to to speak about this eloquently. Anyway, uh, Kim is trying to act like she doesn't remember that she broke up with Pete or also that she thinks that we don't remember that she broke up with Pete. I don't know. The truth is she's kind of right. We have all moved on from that. Not entirely wrong about that. So Kim says, I'm single and I'm actually not ready to mingle and that's okay. So Scott asked her how she's been feeling since the breakup, and she's like, ah, you know, breakups aren't really my thing. To which he says, are they anybody's thing? Duh. So she says that she and Pete, well, she doesn't ever say his name, but they had a lot of talks about breaking up, and they were together for nine months, and that's a big deal coming off of a divorce, and, you know, 
all the hoopla that they had to deal with with Kanye and the stress of it all. It was just a lot for him. So then Scott turns to Chloe he's like, where's your baby? <laughs> and Chloe talks about how hard the surrogate process was for her and how it was just all kind of a mindfuck. Now, Chloe explains it. And says she didn't really even digest the whole situation until she was at the hospital. And says, you know, it's nothing against the whole process. It was just, I was in a state of shock about the entire experience in general. I guess we're calling Tristan in general now. She goes on to talk about how it just felt very transactional. And like she's bringing the baby over to another room separate from the you know, surrogate, and it just feels very cold, I guess, but I think we're also missing a very big part of this situation, which is that the man that you chose to have a child with actively chose to knock up somebody else fully knowing and going into this process with you and not saying anything until that woman was in the third trimester and then he doesn't want to claim this kid he does not want to uh, pay child support and that's for both of them i'm not just talking about the one he has with marley because uh i don't believe he has any sort of custody of this tatum his name's tatum there was a whole build-up the baby's name's tatum robert we don't need to get into it okay great so chloe says that i wish that more people would talk about the fact that it's just not, it's just a different way to have a child, right? But I think they do. I think what you're not talking about is how fucked up your situation was. Is usually when people go through a surrogacy, I would imagine this is a, I mean, obviously it has to be a very intentional practice. You have to want to do this and you have to be cognizant pretty much the whole time of it. And usually you're going into this with a partner who wants to do that with you and not who busted it low and spread it wide for some chick at the, after the birthday party that you threw for him. So like, maybe let's take that part in, you know? And then Kim has like a, an aha moment where she tells Scott and Chloe that unless Robert has a, son the kardashian name is over and they were both like yeah well he's got time <laughs> i don't know they didn't really seem that stressed out about it and frankly neither are we in a in a confessional they ask him what would you think about the end of the kardashians and she's like well probably different from what the public thinks so yeah and i think you're right about that <laughs> I think you're correct. They do have cousins, by the way, but it's also like a three sister with all the names K situation. There's a Kara and another Courtney and a Krista. Those are the the other Kardashians. So anyway, Chris then goes over to Kim's bathroom to have a conversation like you do. And Chris is telling her, well, she says actually in a confessional that she has a fear of growing older and running out of energy what this had to do with the conversation they have next about Dolce and Gabbana, I'm not sure. Maybe it was a subtle nod to the work that Kim or that Chris had that hadn't quite settled yet. I I've never seen a face like that before. I'm trying so hard, Lord. Please know that I'm trying. It just looked like her face was like um 
like a like it had blur tool on it like it was an artist rendering of chris like an ai version of chris and like i've seen like i'm a housewives fan i've seen a facelift in its many stages of healing thanks to vicky gumbelson so like i feel like i'm pretty well versed but this was different and it, it was concerning and it, oh, here's the thing. I think that was most upsetting. It looked like her, it was her lips, really, that was confusing. It looked like they weren't, like, whatever, they tightened the, and her lips were gone, and then they formed new lips in the replacement. That's why it looked strange. She also looked a little casket ready. So that was concerning. But anyway, it, it it's really going to be a marker, I think, for where we are and the continuity of it all with the show. I think we're really going to be able to place what's happening with the development of Chris's face. Cause it looks very different in different times of the episode, but we'll, we'll move on. So we saw in the trailer that the big story seems to be a Kim versus Courtney, including Dolce and Gabbana situation that Courtney felt some type of way that Kim was working with Dolce after her wedding and all the vibes that they put out. Okay. So we're setting it up for like a uh, pro Kim stance, including one Chris Jenner. So Chris says, you know, well, actually Kim says Dolce Ivana wants them to design, to design a collection or she wants, they want her to design a collection in collaboration with them. And Chris says it's quite an honor because they've never collaborated with anybody before. So Kim then tells her that she wants to put some space between Courtney's wedding and the collection. And Chris is like, well, it'll be six months. Kim says, actually it'll be four. And Chris says, but by the time the clothes get out, it'll be like nine months to a year out. And Kim's like, yeah, maybe. So Kim says in an interview that her mom has known Dolce and Gabbana. She's had a relationship with them for a long time. And even before they the wedding, Courtney's wedding, that they had been asking to do a book with Kim. And then after the wedding, she got another call from them about being the creative director for uh, Milan Fashion Week and a line that they're going to be doing there. So I think we know <laughs> it's going to be a court versus everybody situation. And I'm excited. I'm excited about that, <laughs> which is sick of me. It is. Anyway, then Kim starts rubbing psoriasis cream on her leg because Kanye's stressing her the fuck out. So she tells Chris, this is a time that she really wants to stay single because she has a tendency to fall really quickly and she doesn't want to do that right now. So Chris asks her, do you think that you can't be alone? And Kim says, no, I love it. But Chris says, I don't know if you do, because if you're not with somebody romantically, you're always around with your friends and I just want, or it's, or it's work. And I just wonder if you're really actually going to enjoy taking this time off, which is rich rich for Chris Jenner to say rich Chris keep a man Jenner real rich for you to ask somebody do you have trouble being alone when have you been alone man when when in the past 40 years have you truly been single we don't have to get into it but um because no well I'll get into it you know the the time the lapse between Robert and Caitlin not big weeks months maybe anyway um so yeah i mean that's where kim then says 
I just want to be as private as possible and just live my life. Did you guys get that, Hulu cameras? Do I need to say that again into the microphone? How private I want to be? You got it? Okay, thank you. Cut. They also signed on for another 20 episodes. It'll be an additional two seasons. So I think we're, what, season three now? I think we're locked in for the Kardashians until at least season six. So keep talking about that privacy girl. Anyway, Kendall then takes Kylie to learn how to drive a stick. My only takeaway is, again, how different their faces are. But hear me out. It's just very interesting to see somebody or two people, you know, sisters. I know that Kendall's done work to her face. I know that. But it's comparatively very minimal to Kylie. And especially because Kylie's like younger than her. The fillers, it just looks like I want to take her cheeks off. Like, it looks like I could. Like, there's a whole face under all those fillers, which I guess is how fillers work. And it just looks like, you just take them off? (laughs) Just take this off? I feel like I'm filler shaming, and I'm I'm not, like, trying to. (laughs) Y'all do whatever the hell you want. It's just very interesting to see somebody who's had very subtle work versus a lot of work, and they're too sisters that look pretty similar but not really you know what I mean um so then they go whip around a parking garage and then the streets of Beverly Hills I don't know I guess it goes well Kendall says that her car's over it and call me Kendall's car girl I'm over it too speaking of Kendall I guess we gotta just keep it trucking she has an 818 party for her 818 tequila it's on August 18th get it okay unfortunately James Corden is there a producer asked Kylie who in the family could hold their alcohol the best? And she says, probably me. Because I can drink a lot and I can also hold it. Kendall and Kim are just like white girl wasted after two shots. They're telling everybody like, oh my god, I'm drunk. Can't believe it. And then she says that Courtney gets drunk and just pees on everybody. Everywhere. All at once. In public. On your lap. In a toilet. Doesn't matter. She's naked. She's screaming. Chloe's fun, but she can get a little aggressive. And really, if you have a chance to drink with any of them, Chris. Chris is going to be your girl. And, you know, she's just answering questions that I assumed this whole time. So this 818 party is like a dinner, I guess. And the main attraction, the main um, entertainment they have is somebody going like Jimmy Neutron and has a, like a jet pack and he comes into the yard and gives Kendall a bottle of tequila. <laughs> cool. <laughs> then Kendall starts talking about how, you know, the liquor industry, the spirits industry is very male dominated and wow, what a what a journey for unknown person Kendall Jenner to be a success in business at a celebrity alcohol line something nobody else has been able to do and yes i do understand that it is a male dominated uh industry however for kendall fucking jenner i don't really think it matters much jordan makes no james corden <laughs> makes some really dumb jokes i'll spare you I wrote the note down. I'll spare you. It's not even worth it, you know? Chris then tells Kylie later at this 818 party that the biopsy for Chloe's chin, uh, cheek rather, it is cancer. And Kylie's like, oh my God, this is the third time. So Chris says in a confessional that this is actually really worrying to her because 
Uh, Chloe has a history of getting different types of skin cancer and, you know, that's not great. Kylie says in a confessional that this is all very concerning, but her reaction was like, Kylie, I'm, I'm not saying that Kylie's on pills. I'm saying her reaction was that of somebody who is on pills. It was just very like, oh, like things just weren't registering. It, it My reaction to my mother telling me that my sister has cancer on her face and that her cheek is going to get cut up and they, they don't know how much of her cheek they're going to take wouldn't be like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know? I don't know. <laughs> and then to further prove my point, Kylie goes up to Chloe and she says, Mom just told me it was melanomes. <laughs> she told me if you, have, you have melanomes. You've got the gnomes. <laughs> We can't shorten everything, okay? It's cancer, babe. Anyway, Chloe explains, you know, she's like making jokes. Worse than James Corden. You know, this is my best side anyway. Like, I don't care. You know, what are you going to do, right? So then enter Courtney in a confessional because she's not here, by the way, which makes what she says a little bit ironic. But she says in a confessional that the family really knows how to celebrate each other and have fun and help each other. But it's almost on a superficial level and they don't really know how to be sad or like grieve together. And it's something that they all do individually on their own. But like I said, Courtney's not even here for the fun times. So what is she saying? You know what she was here for, though? fucking Chloe comes to her house to film a scene she's sitting on the bed in Travis's lap on the edge of the bed production they're all filming her Courtney's going or Chloe's going up the stairs and Courtney's like hey um I know that I'm late but do you mind if you give us like five minutes to go do something really fast because I'm ovulating (sighs) And Chloe's like, are you you serious? (laughs) Do do I need to leave the bedroom? (laughs) She's like, no, we're good. We're just going to go downstairs. We're fine. Why? Like, (laughs) I don't need to know this. Courtney tells us that wife life is amazing. Yeah, probably because you're getting fucked from here, here, there, and everywhere. Timbuktu. God knows what. We've, We've seen it. Congratulations, girl. Anyway, Chloe takes out the phone to time Kravis and what they're doing. And she tells the cameras that one time she was playing hide and seek as a kid and she fell asleep. She was hiding under the bed, fell asleep. She woke up to Chris and she dead named Caitlin having sex and how traumatized she is from that. Then Courtney comes stamping up the stairs, giggling we got our official time was 1444 as Courtney says it's actually record time for them because they're usually like fucking for hours and how she spent the first time five minutes of this session just laughing could just couldn't stop laughing Chloe's like cool that's really romantic thank you for telling me that so Courtney tells us that they've officially given up on IVF she froze eggs when she was like 38 39 but she feels like people don't really talk about how an egg freezing isn't really that much of a safety net because they could easily not survive the freezing process. Most of hers didn't. The rest ended up didn't take. Ended up not being... Didn't take? <laughs> the rest didn't take, right? So she says that her body is still impacted by all the more homo- hormones and that mentally the IVF process took a toll. So she's like thinking, just be happy. 
I'm with my kids. Being with them and my family is the most important. And maybe I was reading too much into it, but I watched it a couple times. And when she starts talking about how mentally the process took a toll, it looked like she kind of went into a dark place. And then she kind of got out of it when she's talking about how, you know, the family is around and how blessed she is because of that. And just with the combination of her talking about how the family isn't really there for each other in times of grief, real sad shit, it just made me think that maybe something happened to where she doesn't feel supported by the family. Now, it's very clear that Travis, and this has always been my concern, love bombs the shit out of her. And I just don't know how sustainable that is over time. Clearly, Courtney has been searching for something emotionally, something that she's not getting. We saw her when she was with uh, Eunice after she broke up with Scott being very like anti-Kardashian. I just want to live my best life and travel. I don't want to work. I don't want to film. I don't want to do this stuff. I don't want to be around you guys. This is all very stupid. And I need to be in Positano where I'm actually living my best life with that hot French boxer model, right? And after they broke up, she kind of went back. But I'm feeling like Courtney is always been, in my opinion, very emotionally stunted. She's been very, like, I think in an effort to protect herself. And now, I think now she's got this safe place to land um, with Travis and their family, and it's, like, all lovely. I mean, I do have questions about, like, how much does Mason actually get along with Travis? That's a concern of mine. But anyway, um, she just seems like she's found her space emotionally, and now I think she just wants to hold on to that, which makes all the sense in the world, and... I think it's more than just Kim. It's all of it. It's all y'all. And I think she's just like been keeping it cute. But then she sees that like y'all don't really get it in the way that I get it. Do you get it? You hear me? Because we know that she had a miscarriage or like she had gotten along far enough in the process where, you know, there was a, a definite loss there. And what I hear is that like in this conversation with Chloe, Chloe's saying, God, do you even want to have a kid? Like, aren't you like in your honeymoon stage and you've already got your kids? Like, you know, and I feel like she's probably feeling like that's pretty insensitive. Like, She's got this person that she actually loves and wants to make a child with. And while it is absolutely true that we should count our blessings, it's also fair that she would want to have a kid with somebody that she like is truly in love with and how that could be upsetting, you know? And I wonder if everybody's just like, oh, light and bright, count your blessings, count your blessings and not really acknowledging that that sucks, you know, it sucks. But then Courtney goes to Chloe, how's your face coming along? And, you know, and then it really puts things into perspective for me. The Chloe says that it's hard to wait because she just doesn't want to be an extra burden on anybody because they all got stuff going on. And Courtney says, Chloe, I feel like you keep your problems to yourself. And I think that, like, maybe you just don't feel comfortable being vulnerable with everything that you've been through, you know, those experiences, right? 
So then Courtney tells Chloe that she was thinking about how their family, like, they're so good at celebrating and having fun, and they're also good at lifting up each other in a crisis, but almost in a superficial way. And she thinks that they don't really know how to be there for each other on a deeper level. And Chloe's like, what? So Chloe says, I think I do. And then in a confessional, she says, I feel like when there's an emergency, we're all by each other's side because that's my experience. But if Courtney doesn't feel that way, I feel bad for her. But like, I could also say, hey, you know, you didn't check on me about the baby, but she's in her love bubble. Ooh, let's talk about it. Let's get into that. So Courtney then tells Chloe that she just doesn't really want to be a burden on people, but also that some people are closer than others within the family and that they all really collectively have an undeniable chemistry, Uh, but also like specifically between Courtney and Chloe. So Courtney says like, there's no competition. Like with us, we see each other. We're genuinely obsessed with each other. But then Courtney says we really kind of connected mostly on making fun of Kim. But now that those two, Kim and Chloe, are vibing, she is now the one who's getting ganged up on. Which is something that you might want to look at. Because from my recollection, this came pretty much as a direct result of Chloe having True and looking to Kim, not you, Courtney, as a pillar and an example of the mother that she wanted to be and not you. So, and she said, (laughs) so I, I would, I would wonder, I would look into that more if I were Courtney, but you know, I, whatever, stay in your love bubble girl. So a producer then asks Courtney if Chloe and Kim are the new Courtney and Chloe. And she's like, first of all, Kim will never be funnier than me. (laughs) Okay, let's see it, girl. Chloe says, you know, you're always with Trav. I get it. But like, I want to talk about solutions and not all our problems. So why don't we just have a throwback? Courtney and Chloe take Miami day. We'll pretend. Be like, where's your dick? Take your dicks out. Whatever the fuck they said. Uh, You know, we can do it behind these gates. We don't even have to go anywhere. I can have fun with you anywhere. And that's just like so sad, you know. (laughs) If I have to negotiate hanging out with you, you can't even be bothered to leave your house. get off the dick girl like he's you married him you got it the dick is gonna be there forever i get it you you want it again i've seen it i understand the desire and the urgency however maybe we can just take a day a day because she also talks about how it wasn't just the 1444 that happened uh while court or chloe was waiting it was also they had fucked earlier that morning the night before and the day before that (laughs) and so chloe's like why am i waiting for you then couldn't you have just like done this tomorrow or tonight girl so then the episode ends with chris and the new face her rendering and talking to kim And at this point in time, Kanye's tweeting, posting, whatever social media he's on at this point, going after Kim and Chris. And, you know, these are my black children. You guys don't help me. Chris is a devil. You know, all the greatest hits. We've all seen it before. 
So Kim says that Kanye has made up the most insane narrative and she's stayed silent through it all and how she's now at the point where she's thinking every text that I'm sending him is now going to end up on Instagram or whatever. She could take it, but she also is like stressed about the fact that now her mom's getting involved and they show a text where she's texting Kanye saying, Hey, this is a message from my mom. Please leave her out of it. She's 67 years old. She's not in good health. This is a lot of stress for her. Like, keep her name out of this chat, please. Don't do it. So then she's like, you know, Chris tells her, you can't control somebody else. He did this all to himself. And then Kim says, Kanye will bring up her sex tape all over town, all over the blogs, any interview he does, slut-shaming the hell out of her. But honestly, what he's doing is going to be way more damaging down the line to their children than that sex tape is ever going to be. And she's got to sit there and take it. She's taking the kids to school. They want to listen to daddy's music. And she has to be like, yeah, let's do it. I want to listen to the, you know, workout plan. And she's dying on the inside. And she's just, like, having to keep it cute for these kids. And then she talks about, like, a pretty good point. This man has gone off, like, about how he's her protector. I'll always be there for you. You know, I love you so much. You're the love of my life. You're whatever. My life, my world, my everything. And here he is blasting her and her pussy all over saying that she's fucking Drake and has been or was the entirety of their marriage and that, you know, like how she can't wrap her mind around this man claiming to be her protector, but also behaving like this. And then she says in a confessional that sometimes Kanye will ask her for approval on what she says about him on the show. And she has to keep it cute, but she'll be like, um, you just talked about me in one, two, three, four, five songs, or this interview, you didn't get my permission, and I'm exhausted. I don't, I feel bad about saying that, but I'm exhausted. And she's right. Like, this man did a whole song about how he wanted to fuck her and all her sisters. Like, <laughs> ew. Ew. I mean, say what you will about Kanye. It, I can't imagine that anybody listening to this is really riding for that man at this point. But, like, you... Factually, we cannot deny that considering what this man puts out whenever he feels like it, when he's having a fucking tantrum, comparatively to how she handles it, like, it, there is no comparison, really. Like, he's he's trash for that. Truly. Truly. I can't believe I'm having to talk, like, 2023, if you had told 2004 Kara that I'd be talking about either of them in this way. Where am I? You know what I mean? Anyway, we end up the episode with Kim. She's crying. We're getting a classic Kim. I'm actually upset cry face. Like, had not seen her cry like this. And she was in the makeup chair talking about having to embarrassingly break up with Chris Humphreys. Like, that kind of, you know, that face. You know the face. So she's like, I just want to lose it. I want to be able to have a bad day. I want to be able to be overwhelmed for once, but I can't do that because nobody else around me has their shit together. And then she really starts crying and says in a confessional, I want to talk about something else. Like she's trying to change the subject. And the producer's like, why are you crying? 
What's the reason? And she says everything. And then we end on a to be continued. Mm-mm-mm. I think we got something, you guys. I'm manifesting this. I'm trying to put that out in the universe that we have something in this season. Because I'm going to be really fucking pissed if we don't. Anyway, let's move on to... Uh, yeah, I'm sure like you would because you don't have a lot no, of no, points no, and you're no, on drugs. I... Fuck you. Oh, you're on something. I'm on I'm drugs? Sorry. Every time you talk, you're talking like this. And I'm like, I don't know what is in your drink or what you're on, but... Wow. I'm just saying I'm good with not having a conversation because it doesn't seem like there's only wine in your glass. You've been acting a little cracked out all night. <sighs> Holy shit. Um, okay. You're a bitch. Wow. We no need, one, we, no we, one, we need, Mary, we, no one? Uh, she, she, we, um, okay, I mean, guys, seriously? Guys. Y'all, I was a little worried last week that the second half of uh, season seven of Selling Sunset would be a mistake. Thank God I was wrong. In the second half, we just start off kind of starting where we were in the first half. Jason goes out of town. He's going to New York this time with Mari Lou. So he has now put Mary back in charge. The ladies tell her at the office, girl... You're doing a lot, like the most. You really might want to consider renegotiating or uh, having Jason cut you a little bit of a higher check instead of just doing all his work like as a friend, as a favor to a friend, right? Then they announce that they're going to be taking a girl's trip to Palm Springs. Another good thing about the second half of the season is my complaint for the first part went answered and we get some actual celebrities when we see Heather Ray Musa, right? And Brett tour an apartment for Heather and Terry Dubrow. She says that their budget is 15 to $16 million. Now, some of you might be wondering, do you consider Heather and Terry Dubrow of Real Housewives of Orange County slash botched celebrities? No. But I at least know who they are. It's not just like random Australian basketball team owner, you know? I I can ground myself in something. I mean, it does lead me to the question of how is Heather going to be on Orange County when she bought an apartment that she's going to be living in in L.A. and they sold that house that they... How, never mind. Y'all are going to, Bravo's going to have to figure that out. But anyway, Jason and Chriselle go to have drinks. They're catching up, talking about like what's going on in their lives post their breakup, right? Apparently Jason was against adoption. So she was telling him, you know, now that she's with G, the pressure's kind of off for them to have a baby quickly because they're planning on adopting as a way to build their family. And then she makes a joke about like, oh, you can babysit right and he says yeah me and mary lou would be happy to chriselle goes girl she's not gonna be around by that time is she oh you're like actually serious with her okay my bad (laughs) then she tells jason about how nicole's weird ass confronted her about being upset about her name being put on a listing and you know why and and the timeline of her being married at the time and how it's just not a good look and it's something that Rochelle's very like protective of the idea that she was stepping out on her relationship. Jason says that's not true and it's totally inappropriate for Nicole to even imply that he was showing 
favoritism. Now, do I believe that? Eh, eh, you know, I believe that probably subconsciously he made that happen. It wasn't like an intentional thing, but I also feel like. <sighs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Does it matter if you made the money? You know? It, what does she want? I I guess I just wonder, like, what does Nicole want? Just the acknowledgement that, like, he did that? That's never going to happen. And I don't know why you keep uh, trying to bully Chriselle into what? what? I guess we shouldn't use the word bully. Badger her into what? Like, what is it that you want from Chriselle? Even if the story is he put, Jason put the name Chriselle's name on the listing. Why are you coming at Chriselle for it? What do you want her to do? What do you want her to say? What's the solution to that? After that, the ladies head to Palm Springs and Mary lies and says that I rented out this 20 acre, 13 bedroom villa. Baby, this is Netflix. No, you didn't, but that's okay. Then she makes things really fun by pulling out a suggestion box. It's a big empty box that all the ladies can write down their uh, qualms and quandaries and whatever, air their grievances in this fake Hermes orange box. And, you know, hooray, the most fun thing you could ever do on a girl's trip. Is this a girl's trip or is it like an O-group trip? Are we talking business or not? Because, bitch, put the box down. I don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. I will puke in that box. That's my suggestion. Let's all get really drunk. How about that? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> about real estate. Here's my other thing. It's like, isn't this a pretty individualistic game? Like, I know you guys are the O group. But isn't it really like a collective? You know, like, why? We'll get into it. So, Brie is showing up later so is Amanza or maybe Amanza's not showing up at all but anyway they're not there yet at the house so they have lunch together and she says listen I'm really feeling some type of way still about what Chelsea was saying about Nick I don't appreciate it and if she needs something for Nick she can ask him but you know she's doing just fine on her own Legendary love is good over here, okay? So then Amanda asks the question, is it true that if you have more than 10 children, you don't have to pay child support? And Bree says, yeah. 
But possibly in Nick's case, because clearly the man's all over television, that they might say, oh, you owe X amount per household. And so Amanda's like, yeah, I get it now. I mean, fair enough. If you're at eight, you might as well just get two more. And that'll ease things up for you, kind of. Or maybe it would also just like even, who's to say? I hope, I want Nick Cannon to stop. How about Nick Cannon? Just stop. We have, we can end this. Just call it. No more babies. No more babies, please. I'm hoping the realization that children grow up happens to Nick. And you think that that would have happened because he had two children that are like, you know, a good chunk older than all the rest that's happening now. But I'm really hoping, hoping that like he starts understanding that like, I can't just show up to whoever's house, take a picture of the baby cradled in my arms and let her rip. Eventually you're going to start walking into those houses and those little children are going to be like, who are you? Why have you been gone so long? You know, let's think about that. And then we head back to Palm Springs and at dinner, Emma Zempanados calls out Nicole for making a post on Instagram. Cause I guess it was Mari Lou's birthday. Right. And she, everybody feels did this very performative. Oh my God. I love you so much. Mari Lou happy birthday to the future. Mrs. Oppenheim or whatever. Everybody felt like that was a dig at Chrishell, which Nicole of course is like, uh, no, of course not. I swear it isn't. But then immediately pivots to talking about how Jason was with Chrishell, like when they were dating, that there was a point where Nicole was trying to get a hold of Jason at some time. And she found out that Chrishell had set some sort of rule for Jason as to whether or not or when he could answer his phone. To which Chrishell's like, girl, I don't even know what you're talking about. I never did that. Then she says, you're just trying to hit me from every angle, aren't you? And Nicole tries to be like, well, I'm just not going to speak right now. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to say anything that's detrimental to your career. Babe, it is entirely too late. You put it out there that Jason put her name on your listings because he had feelings for her. What more could you say? And and this is what really would piss me off. The suggestion that there is more that you're protecting me from. Fuck you. Like, don't do that shit. Just say it. Just say it then. Because whatever, what you're putting out now, nothing. Nothing. So once Chriselle starts getting hot under her mini dress, Nicole's like, oh, don't want to, let's not go there. You know, you don't want to go there with me. And Chriselle's like, don't even say that, girl. I will go there with you every time. Don't threaten me with anything. So then Nicole has the audacity to be like, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on from the topic that I began <laughs> and stoked the flames. I'm going to move on, Chriselle, because you don't want to listen to me. And Chriselle says, because you don't have any points and you're on drugs. <laughs> so Nicole's like, what? Fuck you. And then Chriselle starts mimicking uh, those like car dealership inflatable things that just blow in the wind. And is like, sorry, every time you talk, you're just like moving around like this. So uh, whatever. I'm not good. I'm good having this conversation because it doesn't seem like there's only wine in your glass. You've been acting a little cracked out all night, frankly. <laughs> and so, silence. A hush amongst the table. 
nobody's really taking up for Nicole, which is the funniest thing at all of all, because she has to be like, anybody, anybody going to take up for Mary boss? Is anybody going to stick up for me at all? Mary completely short circuits like, uh, 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 well, uh, 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 well, uh, <laughs> so then Chelsea has to kind of smooth things over and be like, uh, maybe let's refrain from saying anybody's on drugs. So Nicole gets upset. She's like, I'm leaving because you have nothing else to throw at me, Chriselle. And Chriselle hits her right back with the words of, I have plenty to say. I'm just not going to say anything to protect you. We all have secrets. And I loved that. (laughs) This is a lesson for everybody on being careful and making sure that things don't swing in your direction before you talk shit about somebody else. Like, we can all, the pendulum can swing back the other way. You might want to shut your trap. Right? So as Nicole's walking back in the house, Mary finally gets it together to be like, I just want to state for the record that Nicole is not a crackhead, nor has she ever been. <laughs> so then Mary tells Chriselle that she did go a little too far. And Chriselle's like, well, at your bachelorette party, Nicole was taking a bunch of drugs and she got weird on everybody and she freaked out. And Heather quietly nods her head like "Mm, she did do that so then mary starts to take that personally and is like that's really damaging to me it's damaging to amanda and chriselle's like that's not that deep girl but it is the truth so mary goes off to find nicole nicole calls chriselle a vindictive little cunt behind a door (laughs) love that love a uh behind door closed closed captioning we have to hear what they say even though we can perfectly we hear them we always hear what they're saying but they do the captioning anyway and i love it after calling her a see you next tuesday mary tries to talk some sense into nicole but it's like nicole is trying to act like she has no idea why saying that somebody your boss gave you a listing because they had a crush on somebody else was while they were married is hitting below the belt. Like she is like, I don't understand why that would upset her. Especially when there was literally not a single consequence to you. I don't understand what Nicole's end game is. Like, I think she clearly uh, watches. I, she sound it, it feels like a real big fan of Beverly Hills, specifically Lisa Rinna, getting her own show or getting on a show of her own and thinking, I'm just going to use this blueprint over here. And that's not going to work. And here's the thing, y'all. If you're going to go up against Chriselle, Chriselle will give it back to you. Like, she does not care. She doesn't care. I told y'all a woman who was literally born at a Shell gas station, she doesn't give a fuck. I don't know the science behind that, but I I know. I know that to be true. Now, really the hardest stance that we get of Nicole, somebody being on Nicole's side of her not doing drugs is when Chelsea tells Chriselle, I would be hurt if somebody made that claim about me. Especially if it was true, because it might be a little triggering. (laughs) It's giving. It's sounding like this is true. And Chriselle says in an interview, honestly, if it wasn't drugs, that's even worse because then it's just you being weird. (laughs) Mary comes back to the table. She gets upset about the drug allegations and says that it's damaging to her, again, 
personally to say that Nicole was on drugs at her bachelorette. But Chriselle's like, did I lie though? What, what do you want me to say? And then Mary kind of tells Chriselle, like, you wouldn't want your shit put out there either. So maybe not go there. So what are you saying, Mary? Because she sounded unlike Nicole, like she might actually, there might actually be some threat behind that. So let's get into it. I, I find Chriselle and Mary's relationship to be so interesting in that we were presented in season one as though they were like the two best girlfriends you could ever imagine. And then something happened and then Christine got in the middle of it and they've just never really found their footing completely since then. And they always kind of hint at it, but it's just tossed under the rug. And so I would be interested more. And I hope that this is what we're getting for season seven is more like, Mary versus Chriselle, so to speak. So then we get to day two of Palm Springs and Nicole shows up by the pool while Mary and Chelsea are lounging and she lets them know because I guess initially she told them that she was on a business call and they're like, wow, your call ran really long. And Nicole's like, well, it would have been if that's what I was doing. And she tells them, she went and got herself a drug test and shows them the paper that like confirms that she went in and did the paperwork and she's like so proud of herself so proud of herself like oh this is about to be a moment Chelsea says what I did let me see that paper because I can't believe that you would take two hours out of your vacation to get a drug test where did you even find a drug test in the middle of the desert Nicole's like well my husband did so then she says to them that she wants to consult her attorney about defamation of character or slander or something. Mary's like, girl, I'm not doing this. And she walks away like done. Let's really like in, in that moment, it really sank into me how fucking embarrassing <laughs> it would be to be Nicole not only in this moment, well, especially in this moment, but also just in general, this whole season to every time you bring something up, people are like eye rolling, appropriately clapping back at you, walking away because they can't believe what you just said. And they're so annoyed by how ridiculous and embarrassing you're being that your own boss is like, I'm not even going to do this with you. And they walk away. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. Later that day, Brie and Amanda show up. Oh, time out, by the way. I didn't realize, and I bet you guys would either didn't realize or about to realize, that I knew Brie before. Because she used to date, and this is a deep cut, Nick Hogan. Hulk Hogan's son. Like, during the whole... Around the time where they had their show. Just, like, around the time where Nick Hogan was his most famous. <laughs> they were dating. Look at the pictures. It, it'll shock you. Anyway, Brie confronts Chelsea again about her judgment of her relationship with Nick Cannon. And Amanda decides to make things worse by bringing up what Chelsea said, which is that Nick is a master manipulator. So Brie says, I'm going to set a precedent, you guys. Don't speak about my family. Don't speak about my kid's son. And Chelsea's like, okay, I won't mention it next time he has another baby. <laughs> So Brie whispers, because, you know, that's her, like, Instagram voice. You're not going to tell me about how I should feel about my relationship or what I should do. 
And I kind of agree with her, like, kind of like what Nicole is doing with Chriselle. I don't understand what Chelsea wants from Brie at this point. She already had the kid. It's too late. Whatever he decides to do with having additional children is his business. And yeah, she is going to have to deal with some sort of ripple effect from that. But at this point, what do you want her to do? too late baby it's absolutely a valid concern to be like this kid unfortunately is not going to get the most attention out of their father that the average child wants needs deserves that sucks hopefully Bree can find herself in another relationship or find a way to you know make it enough for her child but again she's already had the kid what do you what do you want her to do chastising her is gonna do what what you saying that you can't be friends with her because you're a Christian <laughs> doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense. But we'll have we'll have to get back into Chelsea's excuses for why she's so triggered later. Um, so after that, Chriselle then reveals that she has seen what drug it is, what drug Nicole's been taking. She's seen Nicole do mushrooms several times. She also listed ecstasy, weed, uh, maybe something else at some point, but she's like, listen, she's even offered them to me. I was just getting flashbacks to her behavior, basically. Like, I've seen her high. She looked high, like the last time I saw her high. And so I was calling it, like I saw it, you high, you high. <laughs> and then Mary, and I love that I can say this sentence. Mary storms out of a group vitamin infusion session after Nicole threatens to sue Chriselle again for defamation of character. Mm. And so Nicole tells Mary, if there's law, or she tells, Mary tells Nicole rather, if there's lawsuits involved, I'm out. Don't talk to me. You don't know me. Lose my number. I am not getting myself involved in this. You've gone too far. She's taking a harder stance towards this defamation, this threat of a lawsuit towards Chriselle calling her a crackhead. <laughs> or excuse me, saying that she's cracked out. There is a little bit of a difference. Um, there is like a funny conversation between uh, Amanda, I think Chriselle and stuff about like the terminology and what exactly she said, you're a crackhead versus cracked out. And Amanda first is like, you can't say that somebody's a crackhead. And Chriselle's like, no, I said she was cracked out. And so Amanda's like, oh, well, I've said that about somebody before. <laughs> That's not a big deal. <laughs> Bria ends up leaving Palm Springs early to show Sweetie uh, uh, a house. And that's about it. Um, on the last night in Palm Springs, Mary brings out that damn suggestion box to the restaurant. Actually asks the waiter, can you bring out that suggestion box that I brought? <laughs> and makes Chriselle go around and give everybody a compliment, including Nicole. And then Nicole says she was going to sue for defamation if Chriselle kept talking about her uh, being a crackhead or whatever. And the only one who's really on Nicole's side about this is Amanda. Mary ends up crying. She's completely overwhelmed, crying in the sprinter because she just can't take the pressure of what I, I'm really not exactly sure. Cause this goes back to my point of this is a pretty individualistic, uh, industry so maybe don't bring them all together to a house 
when they're fighting if you don't want to be stressed out. But I mean, this is a show. We gotta, we gotta film. I get, I get that. So all the ladies are like, we know you, Mary, and we know that you really should take this time and just be by yourself and go home. So we're going to have the guy drop you off at home while we go to the drag club. Bye. They had the best time. It seemed like the best time they had. So then we get to episode 10. Davina comes back from her uh, mother planet or like Burning Man, both. I'm not sure. She's like, what happened? What happened? I miss you guys. What's going on? Baby, where have you been? Judy Winslow. They Judy Winslowed her up to Burning Man and just decided to plop her back in an episode, oh, the penultimate episode. Like, hey guys, remember me? Heather L. Musa gets to ring that cowbell on her biggest sale ever because we find out that we sold, they, she sold uh, Heather and Terry uh, two bedroom. I think it said two bedroom. Was I wrong? Cause I like it was a thing like I I don't want to confirm because two bedrooms, fourteen million. I'm like ninety eight percent sure it said two bedroom, four and a half bath. Huh? That had to be the other way around. Fourteen million dollars at the Roberto Cavalli building. Like, I'm sorry, that sounds a little tacky. The Roberto Cavalli. <laughs> and I like Cavalli. It just seems like a little bit of, you know what I mean? It's, it's giving Miami. That, that's what it's giving. It just doesn't really feel like very LA. And damn, $14 million on an apartment. What are we getting for that? Y'all better have, I better not have to hire anybody. Y'all have to have in-house, in-building housekeeping that I don't have to hire because what the hell else am I getting 14 million no and like yeah I know that they sell apartments like that for that number in New York but most of those people don't live in those apartments it's not they're like oh our um our children have left the nest our empty nesters apartment these are like people who have like billions of dollars who were just like need a place to crash when they're in New York sometimes if they even think about it they probably and a lot of those times those people still get hotel rooms <laughs> don't even bother staying there so this is just not making sense to me and also like this like New York is a an apartment city unlike LA you know what I mean so I've always had questions about that where the DeBro money comes from and like I get it but I don't you know, like I'm just accepting it because y'all are all saying like, no, it makes sense. It still doesn't make sense to me, but okay. Then Heather has her baby shower complete with a custom de designed dress that has a little train that says baby El Musa on the back, <laughs> stitched into the back. I mean, my God, we've got all the heavy hitters from Orange County there. Heather's DeBro is there. Casey's Cupcakes from Laguna Beach is there. You know, the one with the really long extensions was that season three. Doug Reinhardt's sister. Doug dated Elsie for a little bit. Like, y'all, if if you know, you know. Um, Gretchen Christine Butte was there. <laughs> I don't think she got a Chiron. Why would she? Anyway, unfortunately, we find out the very, very sad news that uh, Mary and Amanda did not show up, but they do film a scene together. 
And Amanda tells her that she has ovarian cancer. Or rather, it looks like cancer. Now, fortunately, she did announce a few days ago that she's cancer-free, thriving, surviving, and I love that for her. But, you know, a very scary moment. And also, it's like, is this genuinely Mary's first time finding out that her friend uh, possibly has cancer? Because the reaction was... The reaction was what I would expect for for Selling Sunset. I, you know, this show is just, like, not suitable for real-life emotions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, much like Laguna Beach and The Hills, it's just, like, not a show for, like... It's shallow. It's a, it's a shallow pool, and everything's very pretty, and, you know, cancer doesn't exist. But unfortunately... But also, fortunately, it didn't actually exist for Amanda. But I can't imagine what it would feel like even being in the space where you think that, that is a distinct possibility. And Amanda tells Mary, I, I got one request for you. If I go, bitch, make sure that my edges are laid. Make sure that my wig doesn't look crazy. And if I look so weird in that casket, I'm going to haunt you. And that's that's what I would do. That's what I would do. If I'm ever, on, you know... Knock on wood. Like, if I ever have to be in this situation, I'm going to be threatening to haunt all of my friends and all of you listening. So, that's how I cope. Back to the baby shower. Nicole tries to isolate and confront Emma's empanadas. Because this whole season, Chriselle and Emma have been, like, you know, two peas in a pod besties. Twins, right? So, Nicole tells her at this baby shower... God, I really like you so much, Emma, and I just wish that we could be friends, but, you know, it's like you're besties with Chriselle, and it's just like you're so different around her, and Emma shuts that down real quick. She's like, you're not doing this with me. I'm not playing this game where I'm different because of my friendship with her. Not happening. Not true. Not listening. Don't care. Chriselle ends up overhearing, and she's like, I heard my name being spoken, and Nicole's like, oh, you know, no big deal. I just was telling Emma that I feel like she's kind of passive aggressive when you're around. But this is really inappropriate to talk about at a baby shower. This is really disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Bitch, you brought it up. You brought it up. So Chriselle has to be very sarcastic. Like, you're right. You're right. We should be respectful. Shouldn't we, Nicole? We should be. We should be. Mm-hmm. I love when white women just have, they're at the end of their rope. I love it. It's so fun to me. It's refreshing and I just want to watch. I just love it. So then, after this baby shower, Jason and Chelsea have a double date with their partners. First of all, first of all, Jason. Jason tries to tell these people who are all significantly younger than him that he, the oldest man at this table, and Mari Lou who's like 20 years younger than him, are in the same category. He thinks that they're both millennials because according to him, the millennial age range, year range, is 1977 to 97. Bitch, nobody's ever said that. Chelsea's husband has to be like, uh, I was born in 82 and I feel like I'm the oldest millennial on earth, which like, no shade, he's right about because, I mean, y'all saw him wearing that velvet shirt to dinner a velvet shirt 
for as like fashionable and young and free and sexy as Chelsea dresses, the fact that her husband dresses like like Bob Vila on a sexy date is it's just very interesting to me. <laughs> very interesting to me. Anyway, for the record, Jason, millennials are eighty-one to ninety-six. He's like, well, what am I? I'm not a boomer. They're like, no, you're Gen X. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you are. You absolutely are. Oh, and I got to tell you, as somebody who's like always been attracted to a slightly older man, there's nothing less attractive than, <clears throat> excuse me, a guy who tries to hide how old he is. Like, ew, it's so creepy. Don't do that. Don't, don't try to act like, you know, we already see what it is. <laughs> We see you with your child bride. Don't try to act like you are in the same ballpark. You're not. You could be her daddy. And I know that you don't want to hear that, Jason. But it's true. So you're not in the same generation. Not even close. He also tries to roast Chriselle about it because G-Flip is 29. But Chriselle has to be like, uh, first of all, I'm four years younger than you. And G-Flip is four years older than Mari Lou. So... Yeah, there's an age difference, but we're attacking on eight years for you guys just off rip. In addition to what el whatever else is going on. So don't do that with me. Basically, what Chelsea's trying to do to Jason is to put it out there. Put it out there that it's just like chaos and negativity at the O group when he's not there. Mary's not keeping it together. You guys need somebody who's actually going to rule with an iron fist. and I can do that. But right now, it just fucking sucks. Okay, we'll see what happens. Chelsea, I want to like her, and I do like Chelsea. I just, she's doing too much, and she doesn't really need to be doing all of this. And if we just don't, I would love her. But, like, we saw her first season, and I'm already gritting my teeth because she's so loyal to Christine, and it's to a fault at times and now she's like oh I'm I've been here a year I'm gonna be the boss of everybody <laughs> and I just don't think it works that way baby I just don't think it works that way not at the O group I just think it's a little bit uh annoying too ambitious to go into a situation an already established uh show and be like I'm I'm the new generation. I'm the next one. I I'm the chosen one. I'm the supreme. <laughs> it's just a, it's a lot. It's a lot and it doesn't come without like very obvious tactics to go about doing that, which is why I find Chelsea to be a little bit cringe and I want to like her. I just ugh, I don't know. Eventually Mary and Jason have a sit down and she tells him about Palm Springs and how it was her last straw. Chaos, didn't like it. They both agree that at this point with regards to Chriselle and Nicole, they both need to get along and them telling them that is not a request, it's a demand. Y'all have to get along or something's got to give. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Later, Chelsea has a heart-to-heart with Emma Zempanadas because she's trying to give her more context as to why Amanza triggers her so much. The reason for it being her parents, she was, you know, obviously born in the UK. Her mom and her brothers go to the US for a better life, leaving her with her dad back in England. Very tough. She felt like she didn't have her mom when she really needed her. There's a lot of emotional damage from that. You know, I'm calling her. She's not telling me about my period. She's not telling me about, like, women's stuff. And, you know, I'm calling her when I need her. She's not answering. Probably because of the time difference. But I just, you know, I needed my mama. I completely get that, Chelsea. But what you're not going to do is put all of your childhood trauma on Brie. Like, you might want to talk to somebody about that. And I mean that for real. Not Emma Zempanadas somebody else and not Brie either (laughs) talk to your family like I I don't know talk tell it to the whole I don't know what to tell you girl so then we get to the finale party it's at Jason's new apartment that he'd been working on with Romain the whole time right there are a bunch of people from Selling Sunset Orange County I've never watched it so it didn't really matter to me there was one guy who was really like clearly he was in a suit he walked in fixing the Oppenheim group sign as he walked into the building and he must be the villain that that's him right like he okay I see you and that 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 man alone in the three seconds that I saw him made me not want to watch Orange County even though I've heard it's very good um but Brie Heather and Chelsea have a talk about how Chelsea thinks that Heather should have been more of a friend to her and told her that Brie was upset because what happened was like Chelsea said all her bullshit about Nick Cannon and and Brie. Brie relayed this to Heather. And then I guess Chelsea got mad because Heather didn't give her a heads up that Brie was upset. But why do you need a heads up that was Brie was upset? She clearly was. And it's very obvious. So she's like, well, I don't understand why Heather would be so loyal to somebody she's only known a few weeks, even though I've known her a year. And Heather's like, I don't think that this applies in this case I wasn't really trying to be messy I didn't do anything I don't know why you're taking this so personally I don't know I don't know what's going on so Chelsea and Brie just go back and forth and Brie is like yeah I don't understand why who I'm having sex with and having a child with is getting to the point where you can't be nice to me I don't understand that and then she's like listen I don't need your permission Chelsea on who I fuck and who I have kids with and like don't let me because y'all know I'm cracked 
how many dozens of jokes about Nick Cannon and how irresponsible he is. But like, this is corny. <laughs> this is not the angle. It, you're damaged from not having your mother around has, I get the correlation. I understand you're saying when a child does not have access to their parent in the way that they should, there is damage there. And you're seeing that possibly happening more than likely almost certainly happening with all of Nick Cannon's children that I understand but why what do you what do you want her to do <laughs> I just don't know what she wants Chelsea to, or what Chelsea wants Brie to do I, I really don't anyway we actually end season oh it's actually season six isn't it I've been saying seven this whole time anyway um Mary and Chriselle have a one-on-one at the end and they're looking these looks Chriselle's giving a uh, black swan, Natalie Portman in black swan with the eye makeup. Uh, Mary has on full red velvet gloves, like the full length gloves with the fingers <laughs> to go with her. This is just an open house party, right? <laughs> just a little, seems, seems a lot, seems a lot. Both very operatic looks, but Chriselle's telling her, I'm, she's in her love bubble, okay? She's, she and G Flip are in their love bubble and she's just not focused on the O group. I get it. We're supposed to be passionate. We're supposed to be hungry. We're supposed to want things, but I'm not feeling it right now. I've got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm really happy. I don't know what to tell you. And that Mary also tells her the real reason why she got so upset at Palm Springs was that she had spoken to her father like right before the trip, he's not doing well. And it just all got to be too much. And, you know, hearing Chriselle accuse Nicole of being a crackhead just didn't help the situation. So Chriselle's like, I didn't know that. We have to admit that we're just not as close as we used to be. And again, I'm, I, I'm talking to you and G flip is in Australia and I'm thinking about them and how I want to be with them. And so Mary's like, I get it. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Go be with G. And Chriselle leaves immediately. <laughs> you just said she was in Australia. Like, she's not at home. I don't know why Chriselle had to leave immediately. I don't know. Maybe the eye makeup was irritating her eyes. I don't know. But anyway, I'm excited about season seven. And uh, yeah, let's move on. But it's like, why, like her leaving early. It just felt very strange. It just feels like something is happening and we're being left out. I was like, bitch, we didn't even approve this. Get your ass out, Kenya Moore. This hoe ain't new to this. She's true to this. She just snuck off on us before in South Carolina. Kenya Moore. Are you serious? And Blue Ridge. I have a house. So you're not staying with us? Summer is over, bitch. Winter is coming. Oh. Let's go to her room. Let's go ask Let's her. Let's go. It's a charity event. I would have wore something different. <laughs> Stop being disrespectful with your broke ass. I'm calling the police. 
All right, you guys. And because it's a holiday weekend and because I felt like this was more of an establishing episode of Atlanta, I'm just going to give my quick and loose thoughts of what I remember <laughs> from my watch. It's not going to be great. I'll probably it'll probably be a good two minutes here. But um, so the crux of the episode is that all of the ladies, except for Candy, who has a prior engagement and who else is not going? Drew, are going to Alabama to support Kenya in her time of doing a performance for the Magic City Classic. Kenya is taking this very seriously. And as we know, Kenya takes tends to take like work commitments maybe a little bit more serious, but... <sighs> Here's the thing. She brings these ladies on these work events and then they end up being showing up late or whatever. And then she's like, I don't understand why you guys don't understand why I'm on a tight schedule and this is my work. This is my job. And this is not a time to dilly dally and whatever. And she always ends up getting pissed off. And so to Kenya, I would say maybe let's not uh, bundle in an actual work engagement to a girl's trip because one, that's not really fun for anybody. <laughs> Two, uh, it, not fun having to work around your work schedule and two it just ends up stressing you the fuck out. So it ends up being a bad vibe for everybody. Starts off bad because she wants to leave at 10 15 and i don't think marlo shows up until about 10 37 but these are things that i feel like you should expect from the ladies of atlanta they don't know how to be on time this is not the crowd for you baby. <laughs> and so here's the other thing the other story is what is Marlo mad about today? So we find out that actually there was more that Candy said in that text conversation between Marlo and Candy about the passing of her uh, nephew and that there it did seem like Candy was a little bit more uh, concerned about the situation because the first screenshot we saw, Candy's response was just like, oh, really? He died? But then she... In, in this episode, we see her be like, oh my God, what happened? How did this happen? Like, there was more concern there. Now, what Marlo was upset about is exactly what I thought she was upset about last week, which is that she feels or she did not get enough or what she felt like she deserved from Candy emotionally. So she tells us that she's getting her makeup done to do uh, Halloween photos with the boys and she talks about how cousin Courtney has offered her help in order to get her record expunged from allegedly slashing that woman in the face, um, et cetera. This is like, a, what, 20 years ago or something like that. So it's like, oh, thank you to cousin Courtney for doing that slash uh, why didn't Candy do anything for me. She says that Candy, they didn't send a uh, flower arrangement or any sort of card, condolences, and she felt like since her nephew worked for OLG at the time, and I guess the person who shot him also was working for OLG, that they would have, you know, expressed some sort of condolences. That I can understand. Marlo says that her family has been feeling some type of way about this for a long time, and so she's also being 
she's feeling like candy didn't support her but then she's also dealing with the pressure of her family being like why isn't she supportive and you know she's kind of in the middle of that so she says right um she did have her oh was it her niece or her cousin come to talk about this and her cousin was like uh, you know I guess she felt some type of way, but I wasn't getting the passion over the entire family being angry as much as Marlo was giving. But also I was like 80% paying attention to the episode. So maybe I misread that. Um, But I was right in the fact that like Marlo felt like she did not get what she deserved from Candy and she has been harboring that, those emotions for a long time. Now, why throughout all of this has it taken how many years like two years for her to say this uh I'm not sure this seems like something that really could have been nipped in the bud a long time ago um between Candy and Marlo had Marlo expressed that but instead Marlo keeps doing these side missions of Candy's a fraud she doesn't want to tell her whole story she gets privileges that not everybody else gets why do I get blamed for stuff and Candy doesn't and then this turns into another side mission that she's decided to take by telling Courtney and her cousin that she wants to get to the bottom of why there's such a culture of shootings at OLG and she needs to ask Candy like what what environment are you creating that is causing these situations to happen which (laughs) feels like a lot to put on somebody does it feel like yeah it's a lot of people shooting who seem to be employed by uh Candy but I don't well, by employed by Candy's restaurants, right? I don't know that Candy's actively employing these people, vetting these people, etc. But what are you going to get? This is not the conversation that you want. Marla, here's where Marla always goes wrong is that she uses her hurt wrong. It just comes out wrong. She doesn't know how to tell people I'm hurting, you hurt me, my feelings are whatever. And instead, it becomes all this other stuff when the truth is she just had her feelings hurt. And she, I wish Marlo would find a way to express that in a more normal and healthy way because what we get is what happened this episode. I mean, this trip to Alabama is just like flop central. (laughs) It really is. The ladies are not happy with the accommodations. She makes them do some sort of dance contest to uh, determine who wins and who gets the best suites at the end of the day. So when they get to the hotel, Sheree ends up winning largely by default because she wasn't going to let, Kenya was not going to let Marlo win. Um, She gets in the suite and is like, what is this, honey? This is just like any other hotel room. And they're being gifted with these mini bottles of Prosecco. And it's giving, you know, white refrigerator. Please, let's go get you home. And they're just like not having it. Nobody's happy. But I mean, no shade to Birmingham, but like, never mind. Let me not even get there. (laughs) Let me not even go there. I just feel like we can't go to every state and expect there to be like a Four Seasons even in a centrally located town that that's just my truth um and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that we just have to you know 
curb our expectations here. But anyway, they the events that Kenya is pitching to these women as there's, we're about to go to this gala event, this charity event. I'm going to be the host and they get there and it's basically just like a kickback. She was roasting Monietta for wearing a silver little cute, you know, short jumpsuit makes her change. Then tells her, we can't wait for you. So you got to take an Uber or find your own transportation there. They end up getting there at the exact same time. The money at us like, why did I, y'all could have waited for me. It wasn't that deep. Um, and then they get there, like I said, and as soon as they get there, somebody says, Manietta, you could have just worn what you wore originally. Like, it just was not, it was a very casual thing. And so there's, you know, like, it was just a fine event. But if you're pitching as, like, a gala charity event, we need to be dressing to impress, that was not the case. And it never will be. So eventually they're like trying to make something out of this kenya finds out that they have a rooftop and they're like well we can sit down there because there's really no uh seating it's just like a true cocktail hour with just drinks and i don't even know if there are past apps or anything do we get a, a cubed cheese not sure anyway they go up to the rooftop and very quickly production whispers in Kenya's ear uh we gotta go this is event an event hosted by blank we don't know who and they don't want you here so Kenya has to keep it real cute she tries to say that they actually don't want production here um but we also have to go you guys (laughs) so they end up having to leave and it just ends up being just a true just womp womp of an evening everybody ends up going back to the hotel early they kind of don't really have anything to do so they're like well why is it that kenya just was like well i'm going to bed early bye guys like this is her event let's go up to her room and see what she's up to so very playfully they're knocking on the door no answer a couple kicks on the door no answer marlo starts really kicking going full cristiano ronaldo on this door and then finally we hear who's kicking at my goddamn door <laughs> my daughter's in here she's fucking pissed she ain't got her she's trying to hold her titties in as she's opening the door what's wrong with you I, my daughter's in here and marlo is just like not wanting to hear her uh summer's here where's winter i don't i don't even know why she was screaming about winter summer i don't even i'm not sure but it didn't make no damn sense and it was just a bad bad look like if Brooklyn I mean we know that Brooklyn was there Brooklyn being inside there you know her mom is screaming with her titties out somebody's kicking on the door and it's just maelstrom hell hell to pay so we'll see what happens next week I need candy back Y'all said she was boring, but look what happened. She was not there basically the whole time. And this was just true flop behavior. So thank you guys so much for listening. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.